Welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast. I am your host, the one that knows the most, Daniel Botero. In a world where 8 out of 10 students are graduating without a job lined up, and 40% of graduates never work in a job that require their degree, this podcast is the solution. In this podcast, not only do you hear from my own personal experience, countless hours worth of research on this topic, but I bring industry experts to help students take away that fear of graduating without a job and instead teach you how to land your dream job. I am in a mission to help 1 million students take away that fear of graduating without a job and instead teach them how to land their dream job. And that is why I've created the Mastering College to Career Seminar. As much as this podcast and I want to fill it full of content, nothing can replace the face-to-face interaction that a seminar will give you. And I want to bring in some of the podcast favorite episodes and guests that have so much knowledge to bring, those industry experts, those international speakers into a room to have students the ability to talk to them one-on-one and hear from them live and be able to come out of this seminar with a customized game plan on how to master college and land their dream job. So if you want to learn more about this seminar, go to our website, masteringcollege2career.com. I can't wait to see you there. All right, guys, welcome back to the Mastering College to Career podcast. Today, I have a very special guest for you. I have Mr. Dell Dupree. This guy right here is a sales legend. He is the leader of the Sales Rebellion, as well as the host of Selling Local podcast. And I'm excited to have him on the show today because I started reading his LinkedIn content a couple weeks back and it was a referral from a mutual friend of ours saying, hey, Daniel, I know you love sales. You have to follow Dell on LinkedIn. You're going to love him if you meet him in person. And after a couple of weeks of following him, I said, all right, I have to get this guy on the podcast. And so I'm excited to, you know, for him to have said yes and share his knowledge about his story, you know, about the Sales Rebellion, local, uh, Selling Local podcast, and just a little bit about himself, you know, of why he chose the name The Copier Warrior. And so without further ado, Dale, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks, man. I'm doing good. Appreciate you having me on. No, I am excited. Dale, you're, you're a sales legend here in Central Florida. You know that, right? <laughs> I mean, I've heard that. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so for the audience that might not know you, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Sure. So... Born and raised in Orlando. A lot of people are weirded out by that. Uh, but I'm not like the Florida man that you see in the news. You know, I'm a pretty normal guy. But <laughs> The Florida man. Like, Florida man uh, kissed the gators and crazy <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah, like, got really mad because McDonald's didn't have any chicken nuggets and he set the McDonald's on fire. That guy, yeah. I'm, I'm actually much more normal than him, but... Although, of course, you know, being from Florida, we don't have a lot to do around here, uh, especially in Orlando. Back, you know, in 85 when I was born, there wasn't a whole lot here. And in my upbringing, there wasn't a whole lot here. And now this place is like a total cluster. I'm angry that everybody found it. Um, 
traffic on I four is terrible. Get me out of here. Where do you do you live somewhere? I can go and live with you somewhere. <laughs> I still live in Orlando. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, we're both screwed. <laughs> I live in like West Orlando, so some of the I guess the suburbs of Orlando. Like if my yeah. city is Ocoee. Okay. It doesn't say Orlando. Okay. Um. But I don't know. I don't think it's any different than. Nah, probably not. No, probably not. Honestly, but yeah, that I guess that's what's great about Central Florida, though, is that you say Ocoee, someone else says Obito, I say Orlando, but like really, we're all one big community. You know, my wife and I, we love the culture of this place. You know, we we love food, we love drink, we love travel, right? So we're and we're all about. You know, did you did it come from the ground, right? And are, did you make it yourself? Is it not frozen? Things like that, right? So, like, you know, we're out in Okoe all the time. There's a cute little uh, brewery actually that a lot of people don't know about out there. So it's not Crooked Can because everybody knows about everybody Crooked knows Can. about Crooked Can. There's so, another one. Dude. What, what is it? I'm not gonna tell you. You're from Okoe, aren't you? I mean, I lived there now for the last four years. <laughs> well, hey, I tell you what, I'll take you there. Perfect. And, then, and, and then, that tell yeah, me. I'll and take then, then we there. won't share. The There's minute. a ton of construction happening right around it right now. So they are people, redoing the whole downtown yeah, Okoli. So yeah. some people don't know that it, that this brewery is there yet. So oh, so it has any? Oh, god, it's open though. It's, it's open. open? So, yeah, it's better open. than Crooked Can. I it doesn't it doesn't have its own beers on draft yet. So they're still working on that. But it's the atmosphere spawn, and it's again, it's a quiet little city, and it's kind of like these this concept of this hole in the wall spot that yeah. it provides a fun experience. You get to run into the locals. You get to talk with people you probably would have never met in your life. And being somebody that loves sales, that those are things that are like a dream come true for me, right? You know, like yeah. hearing someone else's story and you know their walk and their experiences and their yeah. culture. I just love that kind of stuff. So love it. Well, hey, we're, we're talking about sales in this episode, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it. But it's interesting because a lot of people have a negative condensation of what sales is. Like they think of sales as a used car salesperson, yet me and you know that sales is different. What are your thoughts on sales and why do you love sales so much? Yeah, I, I'll tell you my sales origins, they have to, you have to tell you from the beginning, right? And it, it starts in 84, 1984, which was a year before I was born. But my father, he, he decided that he wasn't going to work for corporate America anymore, that he wanted to have a bigger, better relationship with his prospects and clients and that he wanted to work towards something that was larger than just the transaction. So he started his own business in 84 and then I was born in 85 and so people like to say that toner was running through my blood. So realistically, I think that that's the only reason that I'm so addicted to sales, but just kidding. Although someone said last night, they said, bro, like what happens when you like get a cut or something? Do you keep people away from your blood? Like that stuff's toxic, isn't it? So I thought that was pretty clever of him, but Anyway, so my dad cultured me in the sales yeah. world, right? He, he had a, a business that had been founded, and I was literally born into it. So growing up, I got to experience that business and, and the sales culture of my father and his little copier company that, that was actually very large at one point. He had won the Kennedy Space Center, which is NASA. Uh, we had hundreds of copy machines out there. I mean, it was a lot of fun, you know. So when I think of sales and my origins and my roots and the reasons why I like it so much, I, I think of this big experience that I had with my dad that made me very intrigued and curious toward creating my own legacy inside of the sales world and following in his footsteps. So about the time I was 17, I actually ended up on a little indie label called Pluto Records and did a did a tour with my band actually before we were on the label and we got signed um, and then we eventually ended up on Warner Brothers and toured all over the United States and even inside of touring with my band what I found is that every night I was in sales and and me and my business partner Jeff 
who is my co-host on Selling Local as well too, we like to say that you know every person sells something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> if you really think about it and break it down, that's that's really what what we're all on this earth doing is what we're doing. We have something that we're good at that we we're, we're knowledgeable in, that we love, that we're passionate about, that we're translating to other people to help them be better when using those things, right? Whether it's products or services. So when I looked at every night, you know, meeting strangers, trying to get people to buy my CDs, right? I started to realize that really like, I'm gonna come back to sales. Like even if I, it's through music, I'm coming back to sales. And so as fate would have it, my, my father and I teamed back up um, around the time I was 22 years old. And I went full time in copier sales. And I will say this, dude, like uh, I think a lot of people, they, they think that because I was cultured into sales and whatnot, that somehow I was just naturally good at it, bro. I, I was the worst copier salesperson on the face of this earth when I got into it full time. So when did you become the official warrior copy or copier warrior? <laughs> yeah, it took a little bit of time. I, I, I had to stumble for a few years and, and, and really just find my roots and figure out what my foundation truly was. And, and, and as I learned that, and as I was able to kind of discipline myself inside of my sales practices, I started to also realize that I didn't like the traditional way of sales. I'm not a transactional guy and I'm selling a copier and anybody that's listening that knows what a copier is, is a commodity, right? I mean, I'm in a, I'm in an industry where you're not supposed to be able to sell a copier and make a profit or, or just even meet somebody for the first time and sell them a copier or not have any competition inside of that sale, right? The, the commodity side of it is real. It's very real. So I started to realize that I could play that game and there's plenty of guys and girls before me that have been successful in copier sales that played the game, but I didn't want that life, right? I just didn't want it, dude. I had zero aspirations of being mediocre. So you talked about the traditional way of selling, like what is the traditional and what is your new approach or how do you see sales be any different? Yeah. So traditional, like, uh, let me just use my industry because yeah. it's the, the easiest way for me to explain it, that uh, sales rep has to get into the office by eight and they usually get in at eight fifteen. Then they have to be in the field by nine after they've done all their busy work at the office, you know, at the latest, but they're usually out by nine thirty. Um, and, and they have to be in the field because they got to make cold calls in the copier world. We don't get a whole bunch of inbound. Even if you advertise it, you don't get a whole bunch of inbound. It's because of the buying cycles, the way that people purchase uh, or acquire the equipment is typically through leases. It's a time thing, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. Oh, I'm five years into this lease and I need to upgrade my copier. So I'm going to do it right now. You know, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind until, the, until a sales rep comes in and creates that urgency and, and finds that need. So from that perspective of it, the traditional way of sales is basically to just do everything ass backwards, for lack of a better word, in that you're not really truly building anything bigger than just that initial transaction. You go out, you make the cold call, you find somebody with a need, and because it's so rare, you jump right on it, right? And you give them the cheapest price possible, and then they buy and you move on to the next. That, that's the cycle of copier sales. And, and so I decided I'm not going to do that. I want nothing to do with that. I want long-lasting relationships. I want a career in this industry, and the Copier Warrior was born. And so how did you do it different? What made you different? So in the beginning, like the first things that I did differently was that I started to prospect differently. Um, instead of just going and knocking on your door and handing you a business card and introducing myself and asking for your boss, mm -hmm. uh, I was more curious in my approach. I'd come in the front door, and I'd... I'd genuinely want to know more about your business and i'd be asking you at the front desk instead of asking for your boss to have that conversation so i was making 
the people that the the traditional salespeople put low on the totem pole. Yep, the feel right. I, I was I was making them feel wanted and needed and worthy, and they are. And they're people yeah. too, bro. Right? I, we forget that too much. I hate the word gatekeeper and the window witch. Yeah. And all that. I really don't like it because I, I they're they're Sue and Charles and Nancy and Tim. I mean, they're people, yeah. right? So I started to treat them that way, and in doing so, I, I started to realize that I had kind of tapped into something unique. That that because I was interrupting this pattern of what these folks were used to seeing from a sales guy, that they would listen to me, um, and then I cultivated that and I turned it into a first touch piece. Where not only was I coming in and talking to them, but when they would say, well, let me get your card to Steve or Nancy or Tim, or, or they wouldn't say anything. And I needed to get that information, right? Because as salespeople, we have to be pursuing progress, right? We can't sit back and, and wait for the buyer to call us or somehow think that they can get in touch with us just because we talk to them, right? So I developed first touch pieces that I would leave that caused a massive amount of curiosity. And so I, I, I kind of infused marketing, essentially, with my sales career. And I, and I take a hard stance on marketing and sales being... One and the same as well too. So, and so let's talk about sales and well, as it relates to college students, right? Believe it or not, the number one occupation that any, regardless of your major, do right out of college is sales, right? Because sales companies are always hiring. Every company has some sort of sales, whether you're working at a store, whether you are doing the timeshare, whether you are selling to doctors or lawyers, right? It's always sales. But when I tell it to students is that no matter what you do, whether even if you don't go into sales and you become a nurse, you're still selling, right? So what are some advice that you have for some students when it relates to sales and selling themselves? Yeah, so right out of college, like it, it's important to fail in, in your sales career, really. But not fail because somebody told you that you had to do X, Y, and Z and you sucked at it, right? But like failing and in, in going out and finding yourself inside of your role like being able to say okay like instead of being a robot as a salesperson i'm gonna like i'm gonna take a leap of faith here and I, like a personal brand is super important you know when you walk out and you're just this kid out of college how do you think your prospects look at that and how do you think your your competition looks at it even as well too right it's not intimidating and it's also it's not worthy quote unquote of somebody's time because you're just a kid come back later right is is the way that most buyers traditionally look at you when you come right out of college that way yeah now occasionally you can have that bright personality and catch somebody's eye right but but being able to to personally brand yourself is important right because being able to go out and articulate what it is that your purpose is as a salesperson inside of the role that you're fulfilling at the company that you're representing is bigger than you just being with ADP or with Aflac or with Aetna, right? Like you're now you are Dale, right? The copier warrior, right? And, and if you go to my clients and you ask them, you know, what company are you with? They'll, they literally will tell you, oh, I'm with Dale Dupree. Yeah. Or I'm with the copier warrior. They couldn't even tell you what copier company I worked for at one point, which is exactly what I wanted as right. an individual <laughs> contributor. <laughs> no, it didn't. Right. You know, at the end of the day, it really didn't because it doesn't anyway. They don't remember it anyway. When I would go into my competitors, uh, uh, into their customers' offices, and I would be going for that net new business, and I'd say, who do you use? Bro, I can't even tell you how many times that, I mean, I wanted to roll my eyes half the time and that this person had just got done telling me, oh, we're happy, we're fine, we're, we're so good, we love the company we're with. Oh, what's the name? It's just like a blank stare. The back. only way they know is a sticker on the copier. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, hold on one second as they peer behind yeah, them yeah, to yeah. look at the, the sticker on the copy machine, yeah. right? So I started to realize that really those those objections 
were just this natural response that they're used to giving because they can't be bothered. Yeah. Right? I'm too busy and a hundred of you come in a day and I don't really care. You're all the same. So separating yourself from that sea of indistinguishability when you get into sales out of college is incredibly important. And okay, perfect. So you so talk to talk a little bit about your sales philosophy then. Sure. So let's go more into detail about that. Yeah, I've got a I've got a lot of I've got a lot of big ideas in the sales world. I think the one that applies the best to this situation, especially to reps coming right out of college, is my reason theory, which I developed back when I was about 26 years old, which is probably about seven years now. I'm dating myself a little bit, right? I'm a, I like to say that I'm one of the first millennials, right? First. When, okay. I, was, when I was a quote-unquote millennial, like when I was the first, when I was being told that I'm a millennial, right? I remember being 21, 22, and people saying, you're going to be part of this generation that they're all a bunch of like snotty kids yeah. that, you know, just expect everybody to do. I remember sitting back and thinking like, what are these people talking about? Right? Like I, I'm, I'm going to go and prove this wrong. And so even I use that as motivation as well too. I used a lot of the, 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 to benefit myself. I used a lot of the attitude that people throw at you negatively as being a salesperson or being in this generation or yeah. to fire me up a little bit, you know, to say like, I'm going to prove this stuff wrong. And so it's why I came up with the reason theory really. And reason stands for to radically educate and share one's narrative. Now in sales, we're constantly told that it's all about our buyer. We have to, you know, make it all about them and, and mushy gushy. And I just see that as sucking up. I don't see that as earning any type of credibility or actually creating any kind of substance between you and the prospect really more than anything you're just giving them more of a reason to tell you that they're not interested because you're like praising and worshiping them from the get-go and putting them on this pedestal that they see you doing and so they're like well since you look at me this way i'm just gonna treat you that way too right and so like i'm busy right when they tell you i'm busy like they justify that because of it so for me i decided that i wanted to tell my story i wanted to tell my story in order to Number one, because the psychology behind a story activates the brain entirely. So instead of just hitting one section of it that objects to everything that I say, I activate the entire thing. And now it's kind of confused because it's like, wait, is this a salesperson? I can't remember now because my whole brain is working and I'm super confused, but I'm also really curious and excited. I'm excited about this interaction. I want to I want to know more. I've kind of got FOMO. I need to call this guy, right? So I put all those those thoughts and theories down into a workflow basically where I radically educate with a first touch. Um, and then from there I follow up and from following up from that radical education, I basically I've, I've rocked your world. And so when I get on the phone and I say, Hey, this is Dale. I was calling for Scott. I'm the guy that dropped off that zany marketing piece, or I have names for all these things too, right? Yeah. But I'm just using an example there. The, typically the front desk person laughs and they're like, Oh, Hey, what's up? You know, like, hey, yeah, I remember you came in, made me laugh, and I saw your card, and I saw your little marketing piece. It was hilarious. And then when I get to Scott, he's just like, what, what's going on? Yeah. You know, it's like you've got, you already know these people. You've built that credibility because you've, you've done this, this, this concept of telling your story a little bit and interrupting their pattern and causing curiosity. But then A, inside of reason, stands for attention. And so now you got their attention, and you got to focus in on it, right? And so once you get them on the phone... It's essentially what people look at as their 30-second commercial. you got 30 seconds to tell somebody that I'm not the normal salesperson. But they all say that. Right. So you have to nuance it, right? So you have this first touch piece that does it, and then you have this initial conversation that says it too. And now the person's real curious because instead of calling them and saying and, and basically being the opposite of what they thought you were going to be, you're consistent. And so they're, they're, they're saying in their head like, okay, so tell me, right? Because at the end of this attention piece, right, when we, when we spit our game... We ask them if they'll take a couple minutes to let us tell our story. And when we ask that, they go, cool. 
right? And, and in their mind too, they're still the buyer. And so they're still ready yeah. to hang up on you. It's right. until you know by the end of it, but they don't understand what's coming. And so the S inside of reason stands for just that story. And we get them dove back into this, this elaborate, detailed uh, idea of what it is that we want to build with them based on our reason as to why we're in sales. So we talk a little bit about our origins. And I talk about my dad, right? I tell the customer in 1984, my father founded his copier firm. And in 1985, I was born with toner running through my veins, right? Just like I said earlier. And then I talk a little bit about what the copier warrior is and why I wield a sword, you know, to protect against uh, poor service, crappy salespeople, and to protect, you know, morals and ethics yeah. inside of the relationship with my prospect. And I'm doing all these things that are, again, they're nuancing and they're causing this person to hear what I have to say and think there is something different here. But then we, that's when we drive it home and O inside of reason stands for outline. And the outline is, is to kind of bring it back and tell the prospect, these are my intentions. Okay, if you have something that you want to buy from me, great. My intentions are this. I want to build a long-term relationship with you. I want to learn about who you serve in our community, how I can refer business back to you, how I can help the folks inside of your office, whether they use my products or not, who I can turn you on to in our community, the community service even that you perform and the people that I'm aligned with as well, what boards are you on, you know, what not-for-profits are you working with. And at the end of the day, let's build a business relationship. And so the idea is, is that you romanticize this future with this prospect, right? In a very business professional way, but in such a different way that it drives them nuts to not say yes, right? They can't sleep at night after that. So what is the average conversion rate in, in the copier industry? And what was your average conversion rate? So they typically say that you gotta make about 100 calls to get about 10 people on the phone and about two to five of those folks are actually gonna hear you out yeah. further than just, we're not interested or call me later. Those two to five will eventually turn into appointments and you get one conversion. So 1%? Just about. About. Yeah. And when you did it, your approach, your way, your radical different approach, did you get different results? Uh, yeah. I mean, because I don't need to call 100 people. I can call 10 and set nine appointments. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so why would you, if, if a student looking into going to sales, um, but they're not sure if sales is, is for them. What, what advice do you have to help them understand if sales is a good industry for them to go into in the first place? Yeah, see, the thing is, is that people typically, they get into sales because they want to make a lot of money, right? And yeah, sales is lucrative, bro. I mean, I'm not telling you it's not. I have a very comfortable lifestyle. I've been very blessed yeah. by my sales career. But my attitude and, and, and the way that I looked at sales was the way that my father taught me, which is that we are here to serve others as salespeople. We are not here for self-glory. We are not here because we only want to work a four-day week. We are here for others. And because of that mindset and that mentality, I was able to become successful quicker than most people inside of the sales world. Uh, and I attribute it to that. I, and I really do believe it, quite frankly. But at the same, because at the same time, I, I now have these relationships that I've built for 13 years that, I mean, they feel like family, man. You know, and that, and like, why live any other way? <laughs> like, why, yeah. why be in the sales world to any other capacity than to change people's lives? Whether it's just in a small manner, like giving them more time at the office to get things done because the copier doesn't break all the time, or that because you're efficient in the way that you maintain that device for them, right? Or because you had this deep conversation with them about something that they've never shared with anybody else because you're available to be vulnerable with them at the same time. So, salespeople have to focus on this this act of, pat, uh, of service that gives them the rite of passage to leadership, in my opinion. 
So instead of being, you know, coming out of college and thinking, well, shoot, I'll make a ton of money and pay my student loans back, start looking at the vertical as I can serve others in here and, and wear that on your sleeve. You, you know, you can't fake that, dude. If you try to fake that, people will know that, right? And you will not be successful through it. Whereas at the same time, people try to fake that they're not in it for the money, right? And you can see right past yeah. that all day. So, so I have just a couple of more questions for you, Dale. Um, what advice do you have for students that um, are going into a sales job, right? Their company is training them how to do something, and they don't have a lot of room to think outside the box. <laughs> so it's why I've started uh, a new venture, and we haven't announced fully what it is that we're doing yet, right? And so I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody right now, but but we are focused on those particular people and those organizations, those corporations, whatever they are, they, they need to understand that enabling their people and allowing them to think bigger and badder and brighter is going to cause success for them as well. So what I would say to, to, to the folks that are SDRs or you know, that, that work under the thumb of a VP of sales that has a VP of sales over him and over him and over him, right, is that just ask them. <laughs> you know, like, you know, go to your boss and say, hey, I was reading about how the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again. And I've been failing for the last three months, but I think I'm good at sales. I think I could be better. And, I, and if I do it this way, I think that that would be the key to the castle for me. So will you allow me to, to take, take a chance? Because the last thing that these guys and girls that are in charge want to do is hire somebody new. Okay, but they would love nothing more from the conversations, the high-level conversations I've had over my years in this business than to retain salespeople. But what's the issue that everybody has? That there's turnover in the bullpen yearly and to a high level, right? So my advice is just to, 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 to care enough about yourself, the product, the customer, and the company you work for to take a chance to have that conversation with them. And hell, if they say, no, you can't because we don't want to pay for it, tell, yeah, them, you'll no. pay for it. Yeah. tell them you'll pay for it yourself or leave or and leave. find somebody else. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you talked about sales being very close to marketing or even you say even being the same as marketing. Yes. Then you talked about sales having infuse, infusing psychology into sales. So sales is more than just sales. Sales is psychology. Sales is marketing. So t talk a little bit more about why sales it does bleed into those you know psychology and marketing areas well let's say this like not a lot of people are talking about this right now there are a few very brilliant minds that are to a capacity right like i'm taking it to a completely different extreme though and that i'm trying to blur the lines between work and life altogether for a salesperson to understand that their buyer goes home at six o'clock and watches netflix <laughs> Right, like right. We, we don't put that into perspective enough. And because of that, we think that from eight to five that we're dealing with some different type of person. But really we, have, we as salespeople have caused the reactions that we get of objections and have, and have created these moves and these systems that don't work, right? Or that occasionally do because again, you know, they're moves and they're systems. So that's the whole purpose of them is their manipulation, right? And, and every once in a while, you're going to talk to somebody that's just genuinely a good person, right? And there's where the psychology comes in. So we've been using it on the psychological side to our advantage as salespeople to take advantage of buyers. But what I'm trying to expose for people is that there is a mutually beneficial ground in which we can both stand on as salesman and buyer 
that we can shake hands and hug afterwards even and have a 10-year relationship. And so for me, the psychology side of it starts with stories. It starts with understanding that your prospect doesn't want to be pitched, but there has to be a, a narrative. And, there, and in persuasion, because of an objection, why would you respond to the prospect and say, well, let me change your mind. That's like walking up to a Republican as a Democrat and saying, let me tell you why you're wrong and you'll believe the things I am going to tell you in a second yeah. when you're done. I promise, right? That's, that's horse crap. It's not going to work that way. So when someone objects to you and you respond and say, well, let me point out these couple of things. I mean, you have literally just lost credibility in and of itself in yeah. that moment, right? But if you told him a story, Mr. Customer, I totally understand. Let me tell you a story about Sue. You're going to do feel felt fountain now on me? <laughs> <laughs> the idea is, is that you soften the response. And so if they still don't want to do business with you, it's okay because you're not pushing for the sale anyway. Your heart is just to serve as it is. And so you're only trying to open up their mind away from the manipulation and all the tactics that they're used to to help them understand that the things that they're objecting against in the first place are myths. They're myths that have been created by a crappy relationship between salespeople and buyers for years. Yep. So it's time to overcome those things. I love it, man. So we've actually been talking now for 30 minutes, right? Time flies, especially when we're talking about sales. If, you, if the students listening to this podcast could only remember one thing that you shared, what would you hope that would be? My hope for the coming generation of salespeople is that they look at the legend that they want to become inside of a sales role and not some kind of fancy, schmancy, rich, powerful human being, right? When you talk about legends and legacies, you think about me personally, I think about people like my father, right? People, I think about people that have truly impacted our community. Salespeople have such a large opportunity because we don't have hours, right? We have freedom to work in the field all day or from home even in some cases if we wanted to. And because of this flexibility, we have the opportunity to be so much more than, than what we confine ourselves to. And so my, my, my biggest uh, piece of advice is that I would tell the people listening to, to not settle for mediocrity, but to chase the mountains beyond it. Love it. Is there any question that you wish I would have asked you? <laughs> That's a stump question right there. Uh, I guess the only question I would have hoped to have been asked was, since we're both from Orlando, where the best slice of pizza is. Where is the best slice of pizza? Oh, dude, did, pizza? didn't you yeah. just say, like, you? Oh, it's Bruno. Bruno's pizza. Where, where is Bruno's pizza? Bru dude, Bruno's, Bruno's is over off Conway. Um, and then they just opened up in Orange County Brewers downtown as well, too. Really? They got a, a, a square slice in, in, at the Orange County Brewery, bro, that is to die for. But if you like that... That Italian style of pizza, that or OG pizza, bro. Bruno's is the spot. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Dell, how can the audience connect with you? Where is the best place to hear more about you, your sales methodology, and just even learn about the way that you run your business? Sure. So everybody can go to copierwarrior.com to find pretty much any way to, to subscribe or listen or, or find me to connect. But you can head to LinkedIn and type in Dale Dupree. You can go to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Copier Warrior um, to find all my business pages. Um, and then they can go to YouTube at Copier Warrior as well if they want to watch a couple videos. I have a podcast called Selling Local. It's on all the major podcast players uh, from Spotify to iTunes. Um, or they can just call my cell phone that they can get right off my website. There you go. I was going to just don't say it. 
Yeah. Let them go to the right website. Right off my website. Go on no. the website. Um, and who is the podcast audience about? Like, if you, if you, is it targeted towards salespeople? Who is it? So, like, why should they listen to your podcast? Yeah, the, our podcast is is the start of a movement. It's something bigger than just tips and advice and rules and and whatnot that you're used to hearing in the sales world. It's a movement. It's an idea. It's a concept. And right now, it's it's just ramping up. But if you want to be a part of that movement, you get, you got to definitely get involved with Selling Local. Well, you guys have heard it. Uh, this has been an amazing episode. Even if you're not in the sales industry now, everybody's in sales. So make sure you are tuning in, connect with Dale, connect with the movement. Um, he is the leader of the Sales Rebellion. I, I think there's more to that that I don't know. So we'll have to figure it out coming out soon. But Dale, thank you so much, my friend, for being part of this podcast and sharing your knowledge with the audience. Uh, You're the man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. If you're listening to me right now, you, my friend, have made it to the end of the podcast. I want to take some time to thank you and congratulate you for being different and taking control of your career, doing things like listening to this podcast, putting yourself out there and building the experience needed to land your dream job is what's going to set you apart and not be just another superstar. So great job. Keep it up. And if you're enjoying this podcast, Please share it with your friends and make sure you subscribe and leave the review. Talk to you soon.